that takes us way back to 1994. That was... Uh, Soundgarden, the song was Limo Wreck, and that album was called Super Unknown. That was uh, released March released <laughs> that was released March eighth, nineteen ninety four, and God rest Chris Cornell's soul, which died on my on May eighteenth, two thousand seventeen. Which on that year, two thousand seventeen, I actually shot video for uh, Skip's wife. And uh, another friend of ours, Claudia. So they started a little skydiving team, and they asked me to shoot video. And uh, so yeah. And the, my guest today, or today, not today, but the other day, which I'm releasing today. <laughs> but my guest on this episode of the Evolving Mind uh, podcast is uh, Skip Kingery. Um, Skip Kingery is a good skydiving friend of mine. Known him for quite some time. Um, we've had a lot of cool conversations on the drop zone and, uh, I thought it'd be cool to have him on so we can talk a little bit about skydiving and, and what he has going on in his life. Um, he is a successful businessman slash entrepreneur. He's a co-founder of a business, solar business called uh, current home. So check it out, hit him up on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Google him. Send him a message. Tell him you're interested in solar. Go buy some solar from him. Get off the grid. Make a difference. Um, reduce your carbon footprint. However you want to see it. But yeah. Um, so yeah, we talk about skydiving. We talk about skydiving records. We talk about skydive formation. Skydiving or skydive organizing, which uh, he has been doing lately. Him and Chris Dare just organized a pretty cool event that I was invited to and was a part of called Barnstorm, and that was really fun. There's another event coming up, which I'm sure Chris and Skip will make a cool video and release that so everybody can see how cool and fun it is and how awesome it is to skydive. So, so yeah, we talk a lot about uh, skydiving on this one, and we get into just the dynamic of skydiving, where it's coming, you know, the evolution of it, where it's going. We talk about tunnel flying and a little bit about the up and coming, <clears throat> excuse me, up and coming women's world record attempts, Project 19. So, uh, yeah, thank you for tuning in to this. And I hope you guys and guys and gals or everybody and, you know, whoever's out there and whoever listens is, I hope you enjoy. And thank you for uh, checking it out. All right. Showing on Damien's. 
I just started recording. Oh, great. <laughs> so, that way, so, that way, so that way we could just get just get it going, get, well, you start can... talking. Perfect. Um, no, yeah, I actually, uh, with Damien, I reached out with him. It, with Damien, I was a little bit worse than I was with you trying to get on, like as far as like forget, like not communicating very well. It gets worse. Because got... <laughs> we've been talking about this for like six months. Now, granted, I've been no better myself. <laughs> Oh, so I like I reached out to Damien and I've, I've been wanting to like do a follow up one with him and talk so you can we can talk about his trip down to South America and all that other stuff. That would be super and, cool to hear. And um, we were supposed to do it um, when when he was down for Andy's event and then it rained. We had weather and then I talked to him a little bit, but then he didn't follow up and then I didn't No, It was I didn't follow up and then I reached out and then he didn't follow up and then it kind of we just. I suck at communicating to try to organize this because I got all this shit going on in my head. Like I'm doing all this kind of, I mean, I'm, you know, learning how to learning to fly and then training when I can. And then I've been working four tens. So on my days off, it's just, you know, if it's not an event that we're doing. Sure. It's just trying to figure out what kind of side hustle I want to do with the, 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 the classic cars or, yeah. Or just, dude, I've been even buying older cars. Like you saw that 85, um, I did. <laughs> you know what? I wasn't sure which house was yours. And then I pulled up and I'm like, that's a semi lifted vehicle. Like that's totally an Alfonso project for sure. Yeah. So I've, I've been messing around with, I've been changing shit up with cars. Like I've been doing, I did a 97 land cruiser. And the reason why I speak, I I'm like speaking, I'm picking these specific years and models is because I like geek out on like uh, very desired Toyota four wheel drive models. Sure. So like the 85 forerunner, the reason why I have that one and why I like it so much is it's the first year of the 22 RE fuel injected 22 RE. Cause prior to that, they're carbureted. And then okay. the last year of the solid front axle. So in the Toyota world, the 85 forerunner is like the unicorn. Cause okay. they're hard to find in good condition. And it took me a while and I found that one. Look, I mean, I bought it from a freaking original owner. Well, his son, but he, the original owner couldn't drive it anymore. He lived in like Arizona. And then his son, you know, picked it up, brought it to San Diego, had it at a shop. It sat for like a year, and then he finally decided he put it up for sale. And anyway, long story short, I bought it. But and then the same story is like with that '97 Land Cruiser because that's the last year of that specific body style and that specific motor. Yeah. And the land, the '97 Land Cruiser, that's the model that I got. Like you can't find them under 200,000 miles and then the feature like the cool feature on them is like they have a, a push button front and rear locker so okay it like a, so it makes so it you don't have to get out of the car yeah so it makes it super desirable for like the four-wheel drive enthusiast anyways i geek out on that shit so I, like i search for like the best like year and like the best condition one with the lowest miles and then then i go after it and then yeah. I, once i buy it yeah I'll just enjoy it for as long as I can. And then I resell it and then make a little bit, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was, I was going to ask you, is it kind of like the old Camaros or the Camaros and like the, the 70 Chevelles and the Camaros and like the older mod, like the super classic cars, like those profit margin on those are, I like to stick within three to 5,000. Like, yeah. cause when you're dealing with like a $50,000 car, it's, for me, it's worth it. Like, eh, you know, if I'm going to spend a high amount of money, like I do a lot of negotiating and bargaining deal. Like, you know, sure. like that's kind of the, the whole thing. Like you just have to kind of negotiate the best price. And then if it's worth it to me and I know the market and the condition, then I'm like, if there's three to five grand of 
be made, I'll take that risk. Sure. You know, spend thirty five sure. to forty five or whatever. You know, and I've to me it's 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 like it's it's a little easier getting a car that is mostly complete rather than having to a project and sure. putting like more time into it and shit. Cause I mean, dude, you know, as much as anybody, I mean, you're super busy with your business and stuff. So like time is important. Like you, you spend a lot more time on the things you want to continue to improve on. And on those other things, it's like, I don't know. It's just delicate, you know, it is what it is, but yeah, I'm still doing the, the shit with the classic cars. That's cool. I always, I, well, I've, I've always fantasized, you know, if I had a big enough garage, I can't fit all the vehicles that I have now. I'm parked all over the street. I, I feel terrible for my neighbors. They're always like, it's cool. It's cool. But I'm guilty. I feel guilty. Every <laughs> you day. have your Yamaha, uh, I, the Yamaha, <laughs> I got three motorcycles, a mini bike and the Yamaha off-road car all in the garage. What's the name of that? The model of it? What? It's the Yamaha YXZ 1000 R. Oh, yeah. So it's, the only actually i believe honda just came out with a side-by-side and i believe they actually have a manual transmission as well but at least up until very recently and i could be wrong about the honda it's been the only manual transmission side-by-side you can get and so like a real driver enthusiast a real racing enthusiast that's kind of like the cat's meow it's so engaging it's yeah. it's more enthralling yeah uh, not that the the razors and the can-ams aren't sick because they totally are but i haven't um, driven a can-am have you driven one of the can-ams i haven't driven one of the can-ams i was actually convinced i was going to buy the can-am x3 xrs mm. so that's kind of like the cat's meow when it comes to the can-ams really it's the coolest out of the box side by side you can get it's turbocharged oh, faster than hell it's got 24 inches of suspension all the way around so like you can just stick that thing right in the dunes and it's ready to go but for me i just can't compromise the manual transmission and the yamaha's a heck of a lot cheaper so you could throw on a long travel suspension and a turbo on the manual car for less than what you can buy one of the other cars out of the box and the cool thing is is the motor that comes in that yamaha comes from a turbocharged other Yamaha engine that they have in a Sidewinder uh, snowmobile. And so they will even warranty the turbo oh, on it. Say. So you can upgrade it and keep it under warranty, and it'll just walk right past the Razors and the Can-Ams if you do that for two, three grand less than you buy the other ones for stock. So that's the... Uh, that's, that's the, the play I went with. That's the only thing I'd be worried about, but it sounds like they covered it. Like that platform motor already takes the turbo you know so it's, that's pretty, yeah that's pretty sweet that's pretty cool uh, i've heard some like that can m's pretty good um my friend's dad bought one and he says he's like dude this thing's right out of the box this thing's crazy you just it's drive so and cool. it goes anywhere and i back in the day i think in oh, 2006 i bought uh yeah uh rhino 600 dude that was <laughs> like the original that that's the thing that started the whole side-by-side -side thing <laughs> Oh, dude, I had one of those and I dumped so much money into it. <laughs> but it had the, I think it's a sing, it's single cylinder. No, it was two. I don't even know what it was, but it was that centrifugal clutch. Yeah, yeah. Thing. So I got, when I got that, I put a long travel kit on it and I did all the, the basic bolt on stuff. And it was like, sitting in chairs with long dude, you were a trailblazer <laughs> in the side-by-side -side world i mean it, it was you dudes that created this market dude uh i think i might have a, a video is that masvidal yeah that's, that's that dude's such a beast i trained with a guy named armando and um he's about 230 pounds and he looks exactly like masvidal and he's a big goofball but 
I don't want to mess with him, man. He, I think he whooped my ass. He's a he's a powerful dude. We uh we rolled in, in jujitsu, and it was a it was a tough roll. But then uh, his range, he's got to be like six four. Uh-huh. His range on his kicks and his punches are just so long. It's uh, it's hard to deal with. You know, I've been wanting to kind of cro- like do some cross training and do like uh, like how you're doing mu- Muay Thai or some boxing or some MMA. But I'm kind of skeptical because I don't. I'm about getting hit in the head. That's it. Like I just, I'm always afraid of getting hit in the head. <laughs> well, you so- can learn a ton about kickboxing and punching without sparring and, and actually taking any blows. Oh, okay. And uh, most of the classes I go to, we don't we don't actually spar in. We're we're hitting the bags like the heavy bag. We're holding the mitts for one another, and we're we're just drilling a lot of combinations, a lot of technique. But we're we're going hard. I mean, you're 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 definitely sweating. There's yeah. no doubt about it. It's a it's a brutal hour long workout, but it's a lot of fun. And it's crazy because when I first started throwing kicks, like I I look at myself like I can get on the slack line no problem. All the Scott having athletic stuff, mm-hmm. you know, great base, great core, good Beer. balance, but. <laughs> Yeah, skydiving athletics. I just think people drink drinking beer at the drop zone. <laughs> God, I'm guilty. And uh, but anyway, so it's uh, it's been a trip. And I would go to throw a kick, and I'd get way off balance. And it's crazy. Just after a few months of of doing that class repeatedly, you can just whip kicks and crack those things off and go right back to a solid base. You know, you just kind of rebound and recoil right back to your your stable base. And it's been amazing, and the coaches down at that gym are fantastic. What's so. the name of that gym again? It's called Dan. Uh, it's oh. uh, Dan Henderson's Athletic Fitness Center, oh. and it's all like active professional fighters are the coaches, and they interact and they roll with you and and spar with you. So you really get to see how it should be done, yeah. and not how you're doing it. <laughs> Dude, oh, just to backtrack a second, when we we're saying about the, the the podcast that I was trying to get together with Damien. It was all me. I just suck at you just you're realizing that now you're coming <laughs> no, clean yeah. from ten no, minutes ago. <laughs> I just because I'm like thinking in my head, did I see he slack no, like I it was all me on that. Like I wanna I'm gonna reach out to him after this and try to coordinate a date if he's still around. But just to, I don't you know. even know what he's up to. Is he down to San Diego or I'm not sure. Um the last time I saw him was when we did that event, Andy's event, and yeah. he was staying in San Diego. And I don't know if he was planning on going anywhere anywhere else, but uh he seemed like he was busy, so I like I, I always feel like, like even when I reaching out to you and thanks for coming out and doing this because it's you know you're coming all the way here sitting down to just just chat with me for whatever amount of time like I really appreciate it because I know everyone has their own shit going on in their time so like I really appreciate it um but I'm always thinking about that I'm like man like when I had you when you waited like 15 minutes I was like kicking myself in the ass oh fuck <laughs> god damn it I should have just waited till later cuz I had my truck I dropped it off for a service at the dealer but so no I I know it's kind of hard sometimes especially doing something like this um but uh but yeah I'm not sure where he's staying at cuz yeah I wanted to f- talk to him about how that South America trip went and then I actually wanted uh, to talk a little bit about just skydiving equipment too, because I know he's been flying the wings. Yeah, I think they're called what are the fluid wings, um, yep. canopies and stuff. So I think he flies a, a helix. Oh, that's what it is. Or okay. is it? Or no, is it the the whatever terminal? The uh, not the, the so they've got the helix, the airwolf, and then the is it like KT or Jesus? What what is that called? I don't know. That's what Tony Guest flies as well. I can't think of the dang thing. And you're on you're on a Leia? You still flying the Leia? Yeah, I've got the Leia 76. I've had that for a few years now. 
what do you think about that? Now that you've been flying it a long time, are you tired? Are we of officially being? doing the podcast right now? Yeah. I know you started recording a while ago, but we didn't do like an intro, so I didn't know. Oh, if, yeah. If we we're just going to like edit that out. <laughs> no, it's just, we're just talking. <laughs> <laughs> so you can pretty much, if you want to just tell people who you are. Say. Yeah. Yeah. My, my name's uh, Skip Kingery. I've been friends with Alfonso, I think since uh, 2012. And we met through skydiving. You were one of the load organizers at the drop zone when I started jumping and one of the guys that I really looked up to and idolized and learned a ton from as I was kind of coming up through my jumping career. And, and, uh, it's been an awesome journey together. I mean, we've both learned a ton. We've both elevated, I think together a lot and things that we used to do and the type of events that we're participating in now. And a lot of it's surreal, man. Like the stuff we're doing today is our average stuff. And Andy's camps or camps that Chris and I are doing is stuff that I looked at like legendary when I moved out here in 2012. And now that's just like the norm for everybody in our, in our circle. Isn't that a trip, dude? Isn't that a trip? It's so cool. And the stuff I feel like the stuff that we're involved in, like the group of skydivers that, you know, for these events, like it's, it's more than what we were looking up to. Cause if you look at like older skydiving videos, they were doing cool shit. Don't get me wrong. They're doing really cool shit still, oh, but for sure, but like the, the skydiving formations and the talent to be able to accomplish some of these jumps that we're doing has gotten, there's way more of it. So now these jumps are being more successful, more frequently, you know, when you got the, the right group, you know, which, Absolutely. which is trips me out. Cause I look at, sometimes I watch old videos of like, you know, before my time and they're doing some cool shit, even like the the competitors, like the two way yeah. competitors or whatever for freestyle and all that. But, but seeing where skydiving has come now, you know, it's just, it's, it's come a long way and it's kind of cool to still be part. Like we're part of a sport that's still, everyone's getting better. You know what I mean? And oh, then, and dude, our, our, our time's almost over. Honestly, if you and I want to do anything cool, like we need to bust our butts now because all these little kids with parents that are, are lucky enough to afford to get them into the tunnel at these young ages when their bodies work and they're not all banged up and they're, yeah. they're on the upswing. I mean, dude, these kids are going to be smoking us in a few years. I mean, a lot of the kids are smoking us now. So, dude, I get them. they're just not old enough to jump. So, we're, we're literally just a, a few legal years away from being completely irrelevant. <laughs> Fucking crazy, dude. Like these kids. What's that? Um, I remember back in the day, it was Team Future. There's this team, this two, two kids. I think they're like brother and sister. That's uh, Mike Wittenberg's kids, right? I, um, I'm not sure exactly. Out in Dubai? They it was were, before they were, their time. Oh, before? Yeah, okay. before their time. Jeez. They were coming out, and then I was thinking, dang, kids are so good. Now, there's so many kids. Like, there's so many different groups of kids that are freaking shredding. Like, what the heck? Yeah, like, I know one of the, the, this little girl, I think her name's Maya, down in um, oh, down in Oceanside. Yeah. This girl, Sydney Kennett. I mean, there's all these young kids that are coming up and killing it. The Wittenberg kids, they're insane. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And they're so flexible, too. I mean, those, those are, those are things I like, those things aren't on, on the menu for me. Uh-huh. Oh, here, I think this, I'm, I'm trying to see if I can pull up a video. Um, sorry for, sorry for, for the people that, uh, that like to ha watch podcasts or whatever, but I do not have that, that going on yet. This, this was, so what I pulled up was a YouTube video and it's, uh, this, uh, tunnel, this group of tunnel flyer kids, they call it team future. If you guys are whoever has tunnel experience has been in the sport a long time you'll remember these people but anyways 
these kids and pull up the details. Man, I'm so hard. I'm so bad at like navigating. I thought I saw this. <laughs> this is ten years ago. This video came out. Oh, here, 2009. Jeez, and they're already better than this. I know. I know. <laughs> Turn it off. I can't. I don't even want to see it. <laughs> and they're and look at this is like probably this is I fly SF Bay. Are you kidding me? Oh my God, these kids are better than us. Jesus. They're just the music's funny, so anybody listening, <laughs> you're in the cheesy ass. And to be honest, like I'm not even that great, right? I, I consider myself like a semi-amateur skydiver. <laughs> but look at these kids; they're just shredding. And this was t 11 years ago. <laughs> that's, um, dude. That's so, bad. so that's insane. Last year, I think I put in almost 18 hours of tunnel. That's good. I've been trying to. I've been trying to put in time <laughs> because I want to get better. You know what I mean? So last year I put in a lot of time and I'm planning on putting in just about the same amount of time more if I can, if I'm able to split it with people, you know, four way so. team, four way and six way sequentials. That's in 2016 when we had, um, Brad and Tyler and Curtis out here all working in the wind tunnel, Lauren and I split about a hundred hours that year in 2016. Uh. And that was just, whoosh, you know, elevated the whole thing with such great coaching. But my philosophy on learning something is like a total immersion approach. Anything I decide I want to get into, I don't just do it consistently on the weekends. It's something that I become completely obsessed with. And I'll get obsessed with it time-wise. I'll get obsessed with it physically. I'll get obsessed with it financially and totally dive in. And it's, and it's something that... I think I'd way rather do a few weeks or a few months of intense training than trickling out throughout the entire year. I feel like you really get that understanding and that knowledge of the different feelings and the movements and the balance and anticipating the next move and preparing for that and setting yourself up for multiple moves in a flowy se sequence. And I think that's how you really break through plateaus and then getting back to that level is like riding a bike even after you've taken a break. I mean, yeah. honestly, all of Andy's events and the events that Chris and I are doing, those are my recurrency jumps every time. But since we've trained so hard to get to that level, it's like riding the bike every time. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I would say go, go heavy, do those spurts. And if you can split it with four or six people and that, that changes everything. That's the hard thing now is finding the four to six people. Cause, um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not good at all, but like finding people that are at your level, you know, like depending on where you're at on the spectrum of, of skill, sure. like to, I mean, I was flying, I was flying with Steven and I almost felt bad because like Steven is such a higher level. He's so good. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's fucking shreds. He's so smooth too. Like, ah, uh, I know. So sexy smooth. European style. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, I, he would want to split time with me. So we split a lot of time and then I started feeling bad. Like, fuck, am I like wasting your time? Yeah, am I taking advantage of Steven yeah, right I, now? Uh, <laughs> so I tell him all the time. I mean, um, when the, there was a competition that the a dynamic competition that they scheduled over at uh, San Diego. This was last year. I remember I signed up for it and I teamed up with Tessa. She used to work at San Diego and now she works at Ontario. Yeah. Yep, and I then saw her recently, and then at the time I was flying a lot with, with Steven. And then when I told Steven like, yeah, I mean, me and uh, Tessa signed up for, you know, cause we're, we're about the same skill level for dynamic flying wise. Uh, Tessa and I at that time, you know, um, obviously she had way better tunnels uh, instructor skills way cleaner flyer obviously you know <laughs> i just barely can keep up but 
But anyways, for flying the dynamic, the advanced dynamic pool, like we're right, pretty much pretty close. So then when I, when I was talking, because I, like I said, I was flying with Steven a lot at the time. I told him like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm hooking up with uh, Tessa to fly the, 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 the dynamic comp over in San Diego. You know, we, we, you know, we decided to do a two way or whatever. And then he's like, dude, like I would have done it with you. And I'm like, man, I, I would have felt bad. Like <laughs> I would have been like, dude, like I'm like a, a dude. It, it just felt bad. You know what I mean? But he didn't care. He's so cool. He's so cool, man. Yeah. I, I completely understand the feeling too. Like it was crazy. So back in, I want to say like 2014, I was getting coaching, learning how to fly head down. And Layla was coaching me in the Hollywood tunnel. And that tunnel just doesn't have the power to get at the time my 215 pound body off the net. And we go out and, and that's at the uh, city walk at Universal Studios where that tunnel is. Mm -hmm. And so after we get done coaching, we go out to dinner. I think I want to say it's like the Saddle Ranch or something like that there. And I, I was casually asking Lalo, like, because I wanted to cheer him on. I'm like, hey, are you ever going to compete again in nationals or anything? He's like, no, why do you want to compete? I'm like, Dude, you, you remember, I'm the guy that doesn't even know how to do this. You're, I'm paying you to coach me in the tunnel. He's like, yeah, but we can train. And that moment was like the catalyst in my entire skydiving career. And Layla literally uh, brought me up, took me under his wing for years and, and really helped elevate my skydiving game. It was just like, just like that. It was like an overnight thing from a casual comment that I, 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 can't, I still can't believe he did. I would have never done what he did. Uh, he's a way better person than I am. <laughs> Thanks, I, lo Layla. I love him. I love him. Dude, I flew with him yesterday. We did a, we did a, uh, we threw to actually Tesla kind of coordinated a bunch, uh, six of us, and then Chad was supposed to come out and and uh, do the organizing, but he couldn't make it. So then it was Lalo, Rusty, Cody, Tessa, um, uh, one of the instructors there. His name's Matt, and. Uh, and myself so that was six of us i'm missing somebody i'm sorry if i miss you nico the guy's name is nico okay. so so it was six of us then uh the we flew we shared uh we split 30 minutes and we we just kind of ended up throwing together a little six-way sequential and then after the first 15 minute block then um Lalo stepped in and uh, rusty took off and it was a lot of fun though that's awesome it was a lot of fun to get in there and do actually static because lately just i've been doing just drilling Dude, I just flying been, in a lot of circles. Yeah, I've been flying a lot of circles, flying a lot of head up and drilling, you know, yeah. head up flares, back flares, over, low speed, just circles and circles and circles yeah, yeah. to out face <laughs> to in face to like now like just throwing stuff at low air speeds and then trying to clean up my flying. And well, I, good for you, man. That's awesome. I, I got coaching from uh, Ben and, and uh, Devin the last round they were here in December, I think I got an hour with them and I actually have an hour scheduled to fly with them on Monday. So I just really want to clean up my flying because I mean, when I go on these jumps, like, I mean, you know how I am, dude. I like, I'm like super low confidence, like beat myself up. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you're definitely like the world's <laughs> toughest critic of yourself. Oh. You know, they say everyone's their own toughest critic, but you like, <laughs> you're, you're raising the high watermark there setting a new oh, bar. Shit. Cause when we do these events, I know I complained to you and a couple other people. I'm like, dude, I fucked it up. And then I remember you told me this and I knew this already, but I loved it when you told it to me. Like you, you're like, bro, stop worrying about fucking everybody else up. You're fucking yourself up or something. And it's so true because I just would worry so much about messing people up. 
that I would mess up, you know? I remember that. Yeah. So, so, and that, that's for a lot of trepidatious skydivers, right? you you get to the level where you can do these bigger jumps and maybe you're one of the, you know, you're, you're, you're working your way up the ranks of big wave formation skydives. So you're maybe spending more, you're doing more slots out on the periphery, you know, being one of the later stingers or, or people docking. And you're thinking to yourself like, dude, everybody else is already here. They're already docked. And you're looking at it and you're like, man, they, they all did their job. I don't want to come in too fast and blow it up, right? Uh, it'd be so embarrassing if I came in and I smashed into everybody and I blew it up. And then I messed up the skydive. Where the reality is, is we would way rather somebody come in and be a little bit noisy than not approach the formation at all. But because by not engaging, if you engage, maybe 50 50 you fuck it up if you don't engage at all 100 percent, you fucked it up and we didn't build the formation right yep. so like by being conservative you're guaranteeing an error uh by engaging you're increasing your odds yeah is it definitely going to go perfect Psh, who knows but at least you're engaging so you're increasing your odds of success just by engaging and i would way rather somebody come into me a little bit rougher sloppier and noisier than they should then not engage at all and be that guy six feet away from the skydive thinking Ooh, I was right there. Was there. Yeah. You know, right? I'm, I'm so glad that we had the conversation then because like I, I've always been trying to work on, you know, me mentally like m preparing and visualizing and accomplishing these, some of these difficult jumps. But I think with accumulated experience now, like these, the past two years I've, I've have felt more confident than ever doing some of these, some of these jumps. Cause now, I mean, how many have we done with Andy, you know, some of these sequential jumps and then going to the, the world record head down, like the, just the tryouts and the, the state record, all like all these things compiling all that experience. Now I feel, I, I feel, I mean, I still get that feeling, you know, when we have like really complicated jumps, you know, but now for like almost any slot unless it's head up. Like I'm, I'm like, yeah, yeah. But I'm like, I'll be there in a second. No problem. You know, exits. I'm just, I feel so much better. And that I'm there's just, a different comfort level. It's a different type of skydive. Yes, Big way skydiving yes. is a different skill. I mean, it was funny. Like, so, you know, I thought in my head, I had a kind of a big head going into my first big way things. I was like, Oh, we just won a national championship in the advanced division in, in four way VFS. Like psh, we do 10, 15 points, every skydive in 35 seconds. Like no problem. But then just really understanding the sight picture, the approach. <laughs> I, different, right? I, it was so funny when we did the, the California head down record. So I'm, I'm in the base and, you know, I think it was like an eight or 10 way base, something like that. And Andy texts me after that day and I, I went home, I'm driving home and I'm thinking in my car, I specifically remember driving home from Scott of Paris thinking like fucking nailed it, dude. <laughs> and then, like... and then like moments after saying that in my head, Andy texted me is like, Hey bro, you're way off level. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm in, I'm in the middle, bro. Like, I am the level. Like what? And I was like, I'm totally nailing this. And I'm like, shoot me a picture. Let me see what you're talking about. He shoots me a picture. I am egregiously off level. My, my legs were so big. I was flying so slow. I was way off level. And I was just like, yep, Roger that. I'll fix it immediately. You won't see it again. But uh, <laughs> it was so funny because I thought I knew what level is. And then just learning big way skydiving, it's a, it's a totally different sight picture. And you really have to adjust to it. But we've done so much of it. 
And here's, here's the thing, like Andy has done such an amazing job creating this big way culture in Southern California. Uh, Andy helped create this culture, Mikey Carpenter, um, obviously like Chad and Guile contributed. Guile was doing all those events down in Oceanside. That was really helpful too. But we've all been doing this together for a while and it's amazing in SoCal now, like doing a two, 3.40 way seems just like, um, you know, just that's showing up to work. Yeah. You know? It's like, that's a normal day down here mm-hmm. where usually building a 40 way, like a lot of States, you couldn't even get that together. You know, you hear those guys out in Europe, like, um, oh my gosh, I forget his, Marcus and Alex, you know, they're talking about like, it's hard to get a 10 way together in Germany or Europe. And, and for us to just be throwing these together, it's because we've got all the wind tunnels now, everybody's technique is going up. The, the community here has grown so much. Yeah. It's, uh, it's amazing to be part of the evolution of the sport as Andy and a lot of these guys have been for many years, but to, to be a part of that journey, seeing the, the face of the sport completely change because you know, people all over the world and all over the country are watching the jumps that are going on in SoCal regularly. Not that there aren't amazing jumps going off in other places too. I mean, you look at Chicago, you look at all the guys in Florida, Florida yeah. right? You look at some of the stuff going on in Texas, NorCal, there's some amazing stuff in Colorado and other places, uh, obviously Eloy. Um, but you just see what's going on in the SoCal scene and it's just like a walk in the park and we're just wearing shorts and flip flops and, you know, t-shirts and jeans. It's pretty cool. It is cool. And it's cool to talk about it and then step back and like, and see it because now when these videos pop up, like of some of the jumps that we're doing, you know, like the ones that that you guys edited or the ones that Andy edits, once you see it put together and edited, it's like, oh shit, we're doing fucking cool shit. <laughs> like, yeah. We're doing some cool shit. You it's know what so I mean? It's so cool. It's, it, I don't know. It's cool. Like I, it, it's, I mean, but it's work, you know, it took a lot of work. I mean, it takes a lot of work, you know, and, and which takes me to, man, um, the, when we're talking about levels and all this shit, it's like, I struggled big time and I finally figured out what the hell was going on. I think I was talking to Damien a little bit about it, but remember, you know how I started pulling out the freaking chair? Yeah, but dude, that's legendary. And everybody talks about the chair now. Yeah. And I, I hope more people do it because the thing that subconsciously like was going on with me, which I recognized and then started utilizing the chair or started trying to say, Hey, can you guys, you know, get, you know, down a little bit. So it's, is the actual sight picture, which is obvious, right? You're going to perform the way you practice. And if you're actually dirt diving, especially cause you're like Short. a medium height dude and, yeah. and like dudes like Larry and a lot of the guys we skydive with are six foot something. Mm-hmm. And so for you to actually, you know, repetition is the mother of learning. And so for you to repeatedly, demonstrate and practice the way it really is going to be, it allows you to show up and mm-hmm. do that at the game. Yeah. And you've been doing that. It's awesome. So yeah, the freaking. so once I got that, figured that out and started using the chair and then I drilled the chair. I mean, now I don't need to use the chair, but I do sometimes and depending on where we're at, I like to just to get that. Okay. Sight picture, whatever. Like it still helps, but it took that to figure it out. And then before I would think, Oh, fine, I'm getting there. Yeah, this and this and that and the other thing. But then I watched the videos and I'm like, fuck. I'm like, yeah. Well, I was way off level the whole time. You well, know? and maybe for some of the listeners that don't know the Alfonso chair legend, <laughs> you know, when, when you're building a, a head down or an upside down skydiving formation where we're falling head first, the way you build that formation is, you know, you, you grip on the person in front of you 
and then you fly a little bit lower than them so you can actually see over their head and it's kind of this like reverse stadium effect and so it's it's a really weird visual to adjust to as a skydiver because usually you're all gripping on each other on a on a level plane yeah and and so it's a major adjustment and so alfonso started bringing these folding chairs to all of our mock-up like dress rehearsals that we're doing i'm trying to use like common words here. oh if yeah you, a, if you have listeners that aren't skydivers i don't know but um it, it, be, it became legendary and it was such a great tool for you and, and you're repeatedly you're practicing with you know that sight picture that we're going to be using and it was a game changer oh yeah definitely and it, it helped me it helped me to now where I'm at now. So I'm, I'm pretty, yeah. And like I said, man, the, the, I struggled a lot with that stupid confidence shit, but now it's, it's, it's gotten a lot better, but you know, what's funny. What I think it's a blend of lack of confidence and, and you're really humble. Right? <laughs> like maybe you're just extreme. Sometimes extremely man, extremely humble. I got super humbled young, getting super high and then getting blasted to some weird places where I'm like, Oh, I'm going to die. And I'm the nicest person ever now. <laughs> Straight now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I think, I think that that's probably a big, uh, a big part of it. Um, cause I always, I see a lot of ego, especially we see it in skydiving. And you, when you see it in the world, like, I always don't want to get associated with, with having a big head. So on top of just me, my personal, my, my normal nature of being a nice person on that, like I, I try to veer from it because I don't want to get associated with it. And what's funny is years ago, someone, I forget, I, I met somebody that I had seen, I think it was at the drop zone. And I just, just remember the conversation. I don't remember exactly who and exactly where, but this, this is, it's funny. Cause I, I started talking to this person and and then they're like, yeah, I've seen you around, you know, and I was, I kind of just thought you were a jerk. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you, well, you thought I was a jerk? Like, yeah, you kind of just look like a kind of jerk, like an asshole. Like, but what, what I was doing is because I was just so quiet and because I always get like really um, self-conscious. Yeah. So like I just, sometimes I, I just feel awkward and I won't say anything. And then some people associate it with like, oh, look at that guy's too cool doesn't want to say hi but i'm i'm thinking in my head oh fuck i don't want to look stupid oh shit like you know you know i'm like i'm so in my head sometimes that after i heard that you know it kind of all these little things growing up and stuff helped me because now i'm it helps me now i'm like okay step out of your comfort zone everyone every now and again like say what's up to somebody you know this yeah. this and you know what i mean so it's just the the psychology of it, it it's funny and and fuck i'm 38 years old and i'm still learning things in my head i'm like man i should i should have started doing that back in my 20s you know i probably would have hooked up with more girls or something (laughs) (laughs) you know what's funny is you know i don't i don't see a lot of ego in the sport anymore i i feel like at the top of the sport usually you think the people at the top of the sport are the ones where all the ego exists um I feel like the better people get in skydiving, the more community, the more camaraderie and the less ego there is. I feel like all the ego really is kind of in that middle area or, or kind of at the bottom. It's like, Oh, you can't sit fly. And it's like, um, you're right. You know, I feel like it's more there. I feel like the people that have matured with the sport are, are just completely over that. And they realize that this is, this is a community. Same thing in the, in the MMA world, you know, as I, when I started trading MMA, you know, I, w- I was a 12 year wrestling veteran. I was a competitive wrestler. I grew up in Pennsylvania, got fourth in States at 145 pounds my senior year back in 2004. 
And there were a lot of tough guys back then. But I feel like as things mature, nobody has anything to prove anymore. And you, and you recognize the community in which you're in. And, you know, now when I started training at Dan Henderson's Athletic Fitness Center, I'm like, Dan Henderson, he's like a, he's a world champion, UFC champion. That's insane. And, and I'm, I'm grappling and rolling with guys like Sam Alvey, Tam, Tom Galicchio, Tarek Safadine that are all actively in the UFC right now. And it's nothing but inclusion, joking, and having fun while training hard all at the same time. And I think in skydiving, you know, so many people, people get into skydiving for different reasons. Like, I feel like there's some people that just are athletic and they love to have fun. Some people are just extreme sports enthusiasts. But a lot of people are overcoming something in their life and they're mm -hmm. using skydiving as a tool emotionally and mentally for different things. And, and I think it's kind of that coalescence of people figuring out who they are, why they're here, why they're skydiving, why they're trying to become part of this community where a lot of that figuring out is. Yeah. And, and so I, I don't see a whole lot of ego in the sport now. And certainly as an organizer, we need to be stewards of the, of the community. And we really need to kind of promote that inclusion. I think that's the whole point of having load organizers is to be inclusive yeah. and to make it a humble experience and to just make it about having fun. Yeah. No, you're right, man. Like thinking about it. Yeah. You're, you hit it right on the head there. And which which kind of reminds me of, this is something that I use, I'm guilty of and I see it a lot out there with people that are learning or, or people that are coming up and, and trying to get involved in some of the more complicated jumps, man. I remember thinking like, Oh, like, like making excuses. That means to simplify it, I would always make excuses. Oh wait, no, the, the guy in front of me didn't give me enough room to do the exit or I was there and so-and-so shot in front of me and I, w I didn't know what he was going to do. Like you always, I didn't do my job because they weren't doing their job. Yes, right. Yes. Yeah, so. and, and instead, and, and that's the mentality everybody has when they're getting into it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Oh, I, no, no, no. I, I'm excused because I didn't do my job because they weren't doing their job. Mm -hmm. When instead as a teammate and as a contributor to the skydive, it's like, I need to do my job so good. I can help those people that aren't doing their job. Mm -hmm. Like I remember we were doing the sequential down in Oceanside when we were doing the Zenfly um, sequentials. I, I know Kiara got like a little wacky on one of her skydives and Chad Ross like reaches across the entire formation with his foot. I was on that jump. And, yeah. And she just grabs his foot and gets stable and then gets back into phenomenal skydive. You know, like that was legendary. Yes. And yes. that was so cool. I was on that jump. I remember that. I remember watching the video and we we're like, what the hell? That was awesome. Oh, uh, it was so cool. It, it, Dude, Chad's like such a legend in the sport. He's so humble, you know, He's super and, cool. and like he had that thing where he got ejected from the record and then was just like whoosh, right back in. Like people who don't even know him have seen that video and just be like, oh man, that's that guy. Yeah. You know, and then he's <laughs> yeah. just like, oh, Kira, you need a foot. Yeah. Here's a foot from six feet away. Just <laughs> go ahead and hang on to that for a second and then we'll uh, get down to business. Oh yeah, man. Like in, in seeing that now, like I try to help people like when I hear it or when they say something, I'd say, hey man. Like, no, like I try to be as nice as I can to help him recognize like, Hey, it's like you, it's okay. Just practice and you'll get better. Like you don't need to like use that as an ex like you don't use whatever this situation is an excuse. Like, no, just keep working at it. Like, or accept that like, Hey, you're off level, not cause you got bumped on X and you couldn't make it or whatever, you know? What yeah. I mean? Cause I was guilty of it way back then, you know? And then real quick when you start getting involved in these bigger jumps you know 
where you could, hey, man, you're either going to do your job or you're not. If you're not doing your job, you're going to be out of the skydive. So you learn real quick, like, oh, fuck, I'm not doing my job. It's not anybody else's fault. Sure, <laughs> you know, sure. You're, you're the one that needs to either get better or stop fucking up. You know what I mean? But I don't know. I, it, it's all fun, man. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, When did you start skydiving? I started skydiving in 2011. Oh, okay. So I haven't even been doing it that long. I got my license in 2009. Okay. 2009, 2000, yeah, 2009, 2010. Yeah, growing up in Pennsylvania, we don't have quite the uh, skydiving scene that we do here in SoCal. Dude, you're probably I, only a few months out of the year, right? Yeah, and then I spent a year skydiving in Lower Delaware, which is about two hours from my house. I, I grew up about a half an hour south of Philadelphia in the suburbs of Philadelphia, which is right on the border of Pennsylvania and Delaware. And uh, Lauren, my wife, and I would, would drive down to Skydive Delmarva, which I think has actually recently closed their doors this last season, which is very sad. And we would go down there, and we immediately fell in love with it. We did a, we did a skydive for Lauren's, I think, 21st birthday in Ocean City, Maryland. She absolutely loved it. I had done it once before. I knew I loved it. And we got down. She loved it. I loved it. I said, that's it. We're going to skydiving school. So I called around to all the local drop zones that had a, an AFF student program. And the people on the phone at Delmarva were just so fun, so cool. And like, those are definitely the people I want to hang out with. It's twice as far as uh, the nearest drop zone to me. But those are definitely the people I want to surround myself with. And so much of the sport is the community. Oh, hell yeah. And we went there and it was just this dirt runway um, with a whole bunch of campers and a bunch of tents and a twin otter. Oh, so it was like, it was like a tiny Cessna drop zone, but with a twin otter and we might only send it up four times in a day because it takes, you know, to get so many people in the plane to actually send the load. Yeah. Uh, but it was amazing. And everybody just took us in right away. And it was pretty funny. Like when I did my tandem skydive and I said, I was going to get my AFF license. They warned me, they were like, well, Get ready to live paycheck to paycheck and have an entire <laughs> new group of friends. I'm like, yeah, right, whatever, dude. Two months later, it's exactly what happened. <laughs> All my friends at home are like, where are you guys? Like, well, Friday night, we go down with our uh, our tent and we come back Sunday night and we, we try and do as many skydives as the weather will permit and uh, we'll, uh, we'll get busy. It's and cool. we just completely fell in love. And after... After our first year of skydiving, the, the people at Skydive Delmarva were like, hey, Skip and Lauren, you guys are like, you guys are taking this pretty serious. Like, um, you know, maybe, you know, to the level where you should maybe seek out a larger drop zone where you guys can take it further than, than we can really offer here. Yeah. And a friend of mine, uh, Dave Matchett and Todd Hendricks were, were both employees. Dave was the manager at Skydive Delmarva. They recommended, hey, we both used to work at uh, Skydive Elsinore. I can hook you up with a, a friend of ours named Christian Rendell oh, yeah. uh, through email if you want to go check it out. So I said, all right. you know. And, and Lauren and I were kind of itching. And when you do so many winters in Pennsylvania and it's just rainy and snowy and cloudy all winter, it's depressing. And you really do daydream of like warmer, sunnier places. Yeah. And, and so I came out on a three-day skydiving trip. And I was introduced to Angie Argon and Darren Burke and Christian. I'd been communicating with Christian through email, came out, met all those guys. And um, we went home, sold my car, sold Lauren's car, packed up everything we could fit in my Corvette and drove out and, and started renting a room from Angie two weeks later. Wow. And that was it. And at my solar company, luckily I was working for a large national solar company as a solar sales representative at the time. 
And I was able to just take a lateral transfer from my office in New Jersey right to Murrieta, which is 10 minutes from the drop zone. And so literally I was able to just pack up everything we could fit in that little two-seater car, drive out and just show up and do my same job at another place two weeks later. That's so awesome and, that it worked um, out like that. And it was funny because I came out here expecting to be a professional skydiver. I was like, okay, I got 255 jumps, you know, another 250 jumps. I can get my tandem license and I can become an instructor and I'll quit doing solar. And I'm just going to chase this passion and spend all my time around these crazy, awesome people and, and in this community and in the sport. And then, um, my solar career took off. Once I got to California, I started getting really good mentors and sales trainers and the products are better here. And we pay about three times the national average for electricity here. So if you could imagine like the equivalent of our average electricity out here is like paying $9 a gallon at the pump of gas. Like if people realized they were paying that much, like if you pulled up to the pump on a Friday and you saw $9 a gallon of gas, people would be burning tires in the streets and rioting. Yeah. Right. I mean, if it went to $5 a gallon of gas, people would be rioting. Uh, but electric bills are so confusing. People didn't understand that. And, um, that's how my whole life out here on the West coast took off. I just took a lateral transfer out here to become a skydiver. And then my, my professional career took off. And after a couple of years of making, um, exponentially more money every year, I was like, oh, I guess I'll just skydive on the weekends and in the weekdays when I can sneak away from work because this is, this is too good to give up. That's so awesome that, that it, fucking worked out that like it totally worked out that's freaking yeah and i pushed the envelope too you know a lot of people live way more conservatively like i've gambled everything i've had multiple times on my career and i've had so many friends be like dude i could never do that i'm like i don't know if i'm gonna do it i don't know if i'm gonna pull it off and i'm not saying i've been fortunate and i and i'm not saying you're you're lucky or it came easy i know it fucking takes anything like that takes a lot of work but that's cool that it worked out that way that the decisions you made and it fucking worked out you come here and then that, that's and now you freaking now you don't work for that company anymore. You have your own business. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. So um, I wanted to talk about that a little bit too, because I think that's freaking rad, dude. Like you have your own business, appears to be doing well. You know, tell me, tell me a little about a little bit about it and how long I have. Like when did you start your company and like what's going on with it now? Like just. Yeah. So, so my, my professional career started when I, when I came out here chasing my skydiving dreams, I was, I, when I moved out here, I started working for an amazing manager named Brian Walrod and he was just an incredible mentor and skydiving coach. And he was my sales manager. We were working at a large national company. I was the number two sales guy in the country. There's this one old dude that just kicked my ass every month, no matter what I'd be ahead of him the last day of the month. And then he signs up like three more people. I'm like, Jesus Christ. How did you do that? So Tom Shebelhut. I'll never forget this old dude's name. It, it will stick with me as a pain in my side forever. <laughs> but good for him, though. Like, good, good on him. Yeah. So anyway, um, he was this incredible manager. And he got an opportunity to take over as the president of another small solar company that was budding and doing very well. And he gave me the opportunity to go over there and become the sales manager of that company and replace the existing sales manager, I guess, who, who wasn't doing so hot or, or wasn't meshing with the business well. And it was pretty crazy because when I got there, we maybe had about 40 employees and that was in 2013. And over the next four and a half years, we grew that company to about a thousand employees. We were one of the top five largest residential solar companies in the country and I ended up being the vice president of the company at the end of my tenure. And, um, it was an incredible ride. I got so much exposure to high level business things. We sold that company for $60 million, uh, in August of 2017 and 
it was amazing because when we sold it, we were having meetings with, you know, the, the owners of Ikea and other people who contributed to the purchase of that sale. Wow. And I'm sitting in there shaking hands with billionaires and people that like, I just never fathomed I would ever meet. I'm, I'm thinking like the Warren Buffett's of the world, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm mixing it up with because they're investing in this business that they're purchasing from That's us. Wild. And it was pretty crazy. And after that, that business sold and was taken over by, by investors in a private equity firm called Northern Pacific Group out of uh, Minneapolis, the, the president of the company, myself, and the director of sales all ended up leaving for different various reasons. You know, the original founder left and retired, and that was who we were really partial to. And, and I think we all had aspirations of doing, doing bigger things and being entrepreneurs as opposed to intrapreneurs. And that's when we decided, um, I actually, what happened was, is I, I, I went to my boss, Brian, and I said, Hey, do you want to catch up over the weekend? You know, I want to talk to you about something. And he knows like, well, if I want to talk to you about something like off the record, uh, you know, he knows I'm probably like serious about something or resigning. And I had, I had created a business plan and I'm like, there's, there's no reason I can't do this by myself. I, we built this one. We can definitely do it again. It's like, imagine if you went back to dating in high school again, knowing what you know today, but like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, I can actually speak to women. This is insane. <laughs> and so, um, I went to him and I presented my business plan to him and I said, you know, Brian, you know, I love you. I appreciate everything you've done for me. You've created an incredible opportunity for myself and my entire family because all my friends and family ended up moving out from Pennsylvania and started working in the solar industry with me. And we all went from making forty, sixty thousand dollars a year to making two to four hundred thousand dollars a year. And where I'm from, like if you make a hundred thousand dollars a year, you're like, dude, I can get a mobile home and a lifetime's worth of Bud Light, and I can retire. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so yeah. you know, I was like, I'm done. I made it. But but anyway, so we I, I said, Brian, I can't talk myself out of this business model that I created in Excel on my computer. And he, you know, very cautiously, you know, kind of heard me out and and I let him know I was going to be, you know, walking, walking away from the company. And then later he came back to me and I guess he had come to a similar conclusion separately. And he was like, well, um, you know, later on, he was like, well, why don't you take a look at this? This is, I actually created a business plan for us to, to do something together. And, um, you know, that was, <laughs> you know, so after the fact, and he came back with that after kind of digesting what I had said and things like that. And, um, he had already departed from the business separately. And so we we're like, all right, let's put the band back together. Yeah. And we did. And, and TJ, my best friend since 1999, who's just a brother of mine and, uh, my, my other business partner, Brian, the three of us, um, you know, TJ and I dumped our 401ks and all our savings. And Brian had made a lot you know, of, of money there uh, being the president of the company and doing two transactions with the company, selling the company twice. He had a lot of funding and we were able to get this thing off the ground. And it was pretty cool. Last year in our first year, we did over 8 million in sales and we're forecasting for between 20 and 25 million in sales this year. And that's cool. You know, I think we're up to now we're on our third office when, which is a pain in the butt because we keep growing so quick. We grow out of one place, but we still have to pay that lease and get another one at oh, the same time. Shit. But now we're up to almost 90 employees and growing and it's, uh, it's pretty dang crazy, man. That is surreal. crazy, man. That's cool though. Congratulations that it's going, that it's going good. Um, I saw Andrew works for you now. Dude, Andrew steak is such a cool dude or Hell stage. Yeah. I should say, I know I everybody say- knows he's Mr. Steak, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, He's so smart. I, I, I love having him on the team. Like 
he he's so science techie nerdy i love it because that's kind of my background with a degree in environmental science i just love science labs and he's been a science teacher and a film teacher and he's just so technically cool and he's just got one of the best personalities in the world like yeah. when he's when he's organizing at the drop zone and he gets on the microphone he's like hola bonjour yeah. and, and he says like greetings in every language you can think of <laughs> and he just has such great personality so I'm so excited to have him on the team. We actually, we have these like crazy, like Wolf of Wall Street sales meetings just with, without all the things that are going to get us all arrested. So mm -hmm. it's not quite as cool. I'd give us like a B and they're like an A plus, <laughs> but uh, it's very rowdy, very fun. And, you know, steak always comes to these skydive events with, um, these, this cowbell. Right? Yeah, and he's yeah. always like ringing the cowbell and uh -huh. it's like the winter Olympics when you're landing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah yeah so i went out and i bought 13 of them on amazon and now it sounds like the winter olympics in our office when we're having sales <laughs> meetings because of him and now a year later he joins the company and uh, i just couldn't be more excited to have him there he's such a great guy what a cool team player and, and just you know the aura that surrounds him and the vibe around him is just so positive so it's just great having him yeah man you know that's it's andrew's super cool i used to when i was learning how to skydive I would see him and Andy and the guy and the, some other guys that you know the West Coast free posse. They would have that on their jumpsuits, the liquid sky suits, West Coast free fly posse. I'd yeah, like, yeah. Damn, those guys are so cool. Oh, <laughs> what are they doing? And then I found out about free flying groups and stuff. I'm like, oh man, these guys are freaking cool. This and that. Liking their photos on Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then and then it's cool because in this sport, then like now we're all jumping together. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we're. And we, and we all take turns being better than one another, right? Like, you know, one year, either somebody has a great year at work or they get a new credit card and then, poof, you know, all of a sudden you're like, man, that dude could barely fly a year ago. And now he's like flying circles around me. And we all take turns just like completely leveling past each other. It's, it's, That's it's really awesome. Cause I remember steak was one of the guys that Andy Malchiotti looked up to. Yeah. And, and so like, you know, you look at that dynamic and uh -huh. then all the dynamics that have been created since then. It's just so cool. Yeah. And, and you and I, for example, right? Like you used to coach me and then I dropped a bazillion dollars in the tunnel. <laughs> and then I used to coach Chris Dare and then Chris Dare got a job at the tunnel. And now, now I get coaching from Chris Dare. I'm like, all right, I gotta, I gotta figure out how to fly on my fucking belly here. Right. You know? So, uh, so That's, it's just so crazy how that happens. It's crazy how it does happen. And it's so it, in the sport, like it's, it's you can't it's like a martial art you can't lie like you're performing this is this is you this is your what you're capable of either you can or you can't and you're showing it like somebody on the mat you know yeah. it's just like exactly like somebody on the mat but no yeah it's a trip man that's why i like skydiving and um to step back a little bit about how you you were saying because you're saying like how you get obsessed with things i'm like i was like that a lot like get super obsessed with one thing but now it's just like fuck like, I just want to do so much that I can't get obsessed with one thing because I'm like, oh, I want to keep jumping and, oh, but then I want to go, go over here and fly in the tunnel. And now I'm learning to fly planes, and but I want to learn jujitsu. And then I want to... Yeah, you only have so much time. Like, there's... <laughs> yeah. Like a like a eighty year lifespan's bullshit. And, and, and to only have like X amount of years of like a usable, mature body that's athletic and functional... Like, it's like, crap, there's so much cool stuff out there. I could live 50 lifetimes and never run out of cool stuff I want to get into. You know, yeah, scuba man. diving, skydiving, all the MMA stuff that we're doing. Like, it, it's crazy. But, you know, you have to balance the amount of time. And then there's a budget that goes behind it. Like, how much, yes. how many hobbies can you afford to do? And, you know, I got to a point where I didn't, I didn't grow up with, like, an excess of money. 
So, um, I mean, I was very well taken care of. My parents created awesome opportunities for me uh, with school and, and Boy Scouts and the United States Naval Sea Cadet Corps and all the wrestling and sports I could have ever imagined doing, I did. But um, I never had like crazy sports cars and boats and things like that growing up. And so the second I started making a lot of money, all I did was I went out and bought a whole bunch of material crap. Bunch like, of cool shit. <laughs> yeah, a few motorcycles, off-road race car, boat, camper, you know, a couple Corvettes. I did all that stuff. And then I got to a point where I'm like, this is ridiculous. I have a new registration due every month. Yeah, it's crazy. And then I was like, all right, I got to start selling some shit. (laughs) And I didn't have time to use all that stuff. And so I I foolishly bought it, sold it off for less than what I (laughs) I paid for. You get guys like me that come and buy it off you. Yeah, yeah, and then they they go sell it for more, right? Yeah. (laughs) Guys like you, I have anxiety every night. (laughs) They come with cash like, oh, bro, come on, I'll give you cash right now. You're like, fuck, okay, just get out of here. But especially in Southern California, we have access to so many amazing things. So some of my great friends that actually taught me how to skydive in the very beginning, Nick and Lisa at Skydive Delmarva, they're actually flying down. Uh, Nick's a pilot, and, and and I think Lisa might have her pilot's license now too. I mean, she's excellent. She's an excellent pilot. I don't know if she finished her license or not, but uh, they're flying their uh, airplane down here tomorrow, and we're gonna we're taking. There's just so much to do, so we're gonna fly out to Catalina. We're gonna go scuba diving, and then we're gonna camp out on Catalina for the night, and then the next day we're gonna fly back. And then we're going to, on Sunday, we're going to summit Mount San Jacinto. Oh, cool. And, um, and then I think on Monday, we're going to shoot out to a motorcycle ride in Palm Springs. So it's just like, there's so much stuff you can do. Yeah. And, and if we had more time, we were, we were going to throw in a little bit of snowboarding at Big Bear too. So That'd be rad. I, mean, I mean, if anybody hasn't lived in Southern California, like God, try it because you just, it's, you know, the mountains, it's like being in the middle of Colorado right there. And yeah. then we've got all these beautiful beaches. You've got access to Mexico and all the cool stuff in Mexico right there. You've Fuck got yeah. Arizona and Phoenix and all the cool stuff that comes with that nearby. You know, you're just a few hour drive from Vegas. Salt Lake City is not that much further. There's just so much cool stuff out here in and the then, Southwest. Yeah, like you can never get bored with activity. Ocotillo Wells, Glamis. I just, I just got back from Glamis the, the last beach, weekend. You know? Yeah, I know. That's all, oh, I saw the video. The, was it... Uh, no, you told me when I was messaging you and I sent you a little thing. Yeah, you did send it. <laughs> you, you took that little, the, oh, you took the Yamaha out there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, that's, that thing seems so much fun. Oh, you got a whole clan of them. One thing I wanted to ask you about, um, um, when you, like, now that you and Chris start organizing, like, this... Uh, Barnstorm. Yeah. Barnstorm and Intro to Big Way events and Intro to Sequentials. We have an Intro to Sequential coming up here in a couple of weeks. So, how how is this learning curve? Like how, how have you, I mean, cause it, I mean, I know it's challenging, but what's the question I'm trying to even think of? Like, like how's the, the, since you've been trying to, since you guys have been doing it now, like what have you learned? Have you like, what have you learned doing it? Like um, gathering these, these groups and just organizing in general, like, is it challenging? Well, I, th- I think the most surprising thing that was when Chris and I put on the barnstorm event and I got to give Chris credit. Like Chris is, definitely the lead organizer there this this is you know barnstorm i look at is uh, i'm lucky to be riding chris's coattails there we've organized a lot of stuff together in the past and we just get along so well and and we we jive super well together in, in a mix of good talent and, and 
we've both organized for many years and free flies so that's that's been great uh but barnstorm is definitely his creation he does more work than i do uh we plan the jumps together but chris does all the stuff in the background working with the drop zone running the facebook stuff oh, okay and then um i show up and crack jokes at the events do my best <laughs> job to organize and, and pull my weight and be a good contributor to the successful skydive but it's been really cool you know the barnstorm event blew my mind because you know, the vibe dude was pretty pretty awesome I, you gotta I give credit say. to andy on that right because andy andy set the tone and for you know chris and i as as emerging and budding leaders at least i think we are like i couldn't Definitely. i was so surprised yeah. like when people signed up for the event chris was like hey let's do this high altitude hardcore event i'm like no one's gonna fucking show up for us dude and he, he was really confident that people would i'm like all right man sign me up yeah i'm game and uh, i was thinking in the back of my head the whole time like i don't i don't think anybody cares about jumping with me and you dude like and um, now, all of a sudden, dude, the event like booked immediately. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'm going to have to do a good job. I'm going to have to step up. You know? <laughs> going to have to figure this out. Yeah. And so Chris and I, I go down to Chris's house in Oceanside and uh, we, we crack open a bottle of wine. And we're like, let's hash out some jumps. And, and what we really wanted to do was start to mix in, you know, because Andy's events are, are very vertical intensive. And that's really hard for a lot of people because so many people in the tunnels now are flying a lot more dynamic than static. And, it, you know, it, that, that's an amazing emerging part of the sport that's continuing to evolve and will get so much cooler than it is now. But a lot of people don't have those static skills, which are awesome skills to have. It's really fun to build formations and create one formation, move to another, move to another in a sequential dive flow. And, um, you know, and it's so cool. So we were like, we want to include vertical movement. And we also want to start doing things up and above things and through things and around things. And wait till the next Barnstorm event that uh, we're coming out with. Uh, we're, we're going to need to do some practicing and some tunnel time to work out a couple of the foundations before we do it. Oh, yeah. But I'm really trying to, we are really trying to push the envelope of of, I think we're at this turning point of big way evolution in the sport. Mm -hmm. And SoCal, I believe, is the epicenter of that. And I'm just so honored and thrilled that Chris and I are getting to just put our teeny tiny little little stamp on that and help turn the corner in how we look at skydiving. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think you're going to start to see a lot more things built, a lot more free fly jumps built vertically. I think you're going to start to see a lot more movement, a lot of people moving through rounds and punching through rounds and hybrids. And the reality is, and, and Andy really pioneered the way with this, is a real free, free flyer can fly in any orientation. It's, yep. your, it's your belly, it's your back, it's, it's um, head down, sit flying, movement, you name it. And I think we're going to start to see, and we really need to challenge ourselves because MFS came out and humbled the fuck out of the skydive community. It's like, yeah. oh, you think you're a badass free flyer? All right, we'll try a little MFS. Poof, you yeah. just blew up, right? <laughs> like, yeah. holy shit. You know, it's like, I remember Lauren and I took like 35 skydives when we started skydiving before the two of us could dock on each other with levels and stuff. And now you get through um, all I'm gonna, this Hold stuff. on, let me pause this real quick. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. No, I'll get it. Because I just was afraid you just... All right, I had to stop for a second. Okay, now we're recording back. I sorry for abruptly stopping. So you were discuss, you were talking about the evolution of the sequential jumps, how where they're going. That you you foresee them starting to be more dynamic vertically. And yeah, so I think I think we're going to start to see like the coalescence of movement, building things vertically, doing more things, uh, transitions from skydives being on their belly to vertical and things like that. 
And that's what's so cool because I think that's what's going to really complete free flying is once we can really do all these disciplines, including belly, including angle flying, including vertical flying and all the sequentials, that's when we're going to really start to see what we can really do. Yeah. And I think we're, we're starting to really flirt with that. And, and that was Chris and I's goal as we, we launched this barnstorm event. We're like, let's start to, let's start to mush this stuff together because it's what we want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, think about after a whole day of vertical, so many people at the end of the day are like, hey, who wants to just go burn a sunset track, right? Yep. And just go yep. move for a little bit. And so it's like, okay, let's keep it spicy. Let's keep it exciting. Let's test ourselves and see what we can do. And honestly, I thought some of the jumps that Chris and I came up with in his kitchen were, were overly ambitious. And a lot of the people that signed up for the event, um, you know, a lot of it was the Oceanside community that Chris is flying with and working with down there, a lot of the staff and, and a lot of the regular flyers down there. But a lot of them aren't super experienced skydivers. And so when we put the group together, we were like, okay, well, we need to, we need to build this in a way where we can be successful, but also challenge ourselves and challenge the sport in the, in the way that we'd like to start testing it. And we, uh, we were so fortunate with a group of people that showed up because I, I think... You, the men, everybody was so positive and everybody was so focused on doing their job. I feel like sometimes when we do the really high profile events, we get a lot of people there that have just been doing this stuff forever and there's not a lot of focus and there's just a little bit more goofing off and people just assume it's going to work because everybody's a badass. And here everybody was like, I've got something to prove. I want to prove that I can be on these large, big way sequential skydives. And I want to be invited to these events in the future. So it was so amazing because although we didn't have the jump numbers that you might see on a normal big way that, uh, that we do, we had this team collaboration and focus and this humbleness that everybody brought to the table. And it was so crazy, right? Like we, we did like the first jump and that was like, okay. And then it was like the second or third jump. And then it was like, holy crap, like yeah. that really clicked. And the whole team just jived the whole time. And, and we were doing stuff and, and we weren't even getting full altitude on all the jumps. And we were doing gnarly, you know, two, three point things with 20, 20 people. And we were having a ton of success and yeah. things were building quickly and it was smooth and we were dialing stuff in and it was so fun. So I, I just think it, it was the mentality that everybody brought to the table that enabled us to have the success that we did. And it was just so cool to be a part of that. And then that enabled us to schedule another event uh, that we're going to be doing here in May for another barnstorm. With the night jumps too? Yeah. So we're going to be doing, we did two days of jumping the last time. This time we're going to do three days of jumping with one night of night jumps. So I already ordered like night lights on Amazon for everybody. And it's going to be, Fuck it's going to be yeah. pretty gnarly. Now I don't think everybody's going to want to participate at night. Some people might not even be eligible. I'm down. <laughs> we got one <laughs> two way looking to build. And, uh, I'm, I'm really excited for it. And it's been, a, it's been a challenge as an organizer. I'm a public speaker all the time because of what I would do for work, but it was really cool to be in a different type of leadership situation. And, um, I'm really grateful that everybody trusted Chris and I to, to put on that event with the amount of money it costs to do it. Uh, you know, it's not cheap and, and I, I don't even think it's really not a profitable event. Yeah. I know no. some of these events are, uh, this one's not. And, 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 
you know, I've, I've been waiving my fee every time because this isn't my full-time job and I just want people to be able to do it. I, I'm doing this as a passion project. This is not a job for me. And it was just so amazing that everybody came out, showed up, forked out the cash and their time and attention and showed up and did it. And I was so honored to be a part of the leadership team. And I'm yeah. so excited to do it again and see what we can do. And we got some pretty hard shit planned out for the next one. So we might even need to do like one day of eight of us jumping prior to to try and nail down the base for one of these jumps I want to do. But I think if we nail that, it'll be a pretty epic thing, kind of like when they did that big crab formation that was the the uh, cover of Parachutist down at Oceanside with like Brent and Starkey. Oh, yeah, and that was pretty guys. cool. Dude, that was, I, I'd never seen anything that like that before, cool. right? Yeah. And so we've, yeah. Got, we've got some stuff like that built built vertically and horizontally at the same time. Fuck yeah. Uh, so, so we'll see. Or maybe we'll find out that uh, we're already at the limit of what we can do. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it'll be interesting, but I'm excited to be a part of that. And, um, you know, in, in this pivotal time in the sport where I think like we're, we're actually going through a, a massive evolution in a very short period of time because of the tunnels and the technicality and the volume of the audience that we have here that enables us to do it. Yeah, man. It's a lot. I'm just happy to be a part of it, like where I can be, a, you know, a fill a slot. <laughs> like, I'm so yeah. happy. What I was going to say, man, that. I mean, all these uh, sequential jumps that Andy puts on, the vibe's awesome and everything, but it was just really cool because, like, a lot of those people I didn't I never really jump with before, but everyone was everyone was cool. Like, everyone was relaxed, too. So, like, I, I felt like that helped with the success of a lot of this because no one felt, like, pressure amongst each other. This is me in my head. I, I don't know. I just it, – it, it was cool. That was definitely a cool event, and I'm excited to see what, what you guys figure out for those night jumps. Ah, <laughs> oh, dude, and I'm stoked. And, and I got to say, like, it was cool organizing that because there's a lot of flyers there that are better flyers than I am. You know, I have, I have experience in leadership and organizing. It's a different skill set uh, that's acquired over time of near-death experiences being the target <laughs> on many, many, many weekends of skydiving. Uh, but, I mean, you know, I, you know, we're coaching people like um, Mitchie Brusco, who just won the fucking X Games on his skateboard. Like, how insane is that? Oh, shit. He... He's yeah, a, dude, X Games gold medalist. He he jumped like a nine thousand on this mega ramp quarter pipe thing. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah, he did like a, a ten thousand or something. Like it was like fifty <laughs> spins. It was insane. I'm gonna pull it. You up. know, and I'm like, man, you know, we're we're coaching, you know, X Games winners. Like this is so cool. I was flattered. I was like. I was trying to like tell him what to do, but secretly I'm like, dude, can I have your fucking autograph? Can you sign my rig or something? <laughs> I'm gonna pull. I I did not even know that. Pull up the Google here. I see you have an online Southern California Edison account there. You gotta check that out for your solar. Actually, solar you know lighter. what? Here, here, I it, Riverside has their own electric. So, oh, I, you're in River. Are you in RPU right now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're getting a big discount compared to everybody else in SoCal. Yeah, because the uh, RPU rates are pretty pretty low compared to everyone else for sure. Absolutely. How do you spell his name? Mitchy uh, Brusco. Oh, yep. Dang, look, right he's there. popping up right there. <laughs> yeah, he's the real deal, dude. I mean. This kid? Yeah, this, this he kid. Was, wait, he was at the barnstorm? Yeah. This dude's such a beast. He's like, he, I think he lives down in Oceanside. He's down there at the tunnel all the time. Super awesome guy. Like, he's, uh, he's hilarious and an incredible athlete all at the same time. But yeah, he just won the freaking X Games this, this past year, I think. Oh, okay. Because Lauren and I were literally about to walk out of the house and we were flipping through the channels. And it's like, and here comes Mitchie Brusco in the X Games. And we're like, no, like, holy shit, we fly with this guy in the tunnel sometimes. 
and uh, nice. and then and then we got sucked in for like an hour, and he fucking won the whole thing. That's awesome. Yeah, he the, the trick he landed was like the first time it ever been landed. I think Bob Burnquist did like the first like. 900 oh, he did 12, like yeah he 60. did a 1260 i can't even count that high <laughs> okay now seeing some he how, looked young in some of these so it's just like 1260 how many spins is that like i'm gonna divide I'm, ugh, this is embarrassing i have to pull out my calculator it wasn't when did he land it in december wait let's just do music. so that's three and a half full rotations I would be dizzy by then. Dude, I get dizzy doing 1360. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? Here it is, X Games. That's it? Let's watch it real quick. This, this is the first time this has ever been done, or at least in competition. I'm sure he's nailed it multiple times in practice. Or fucking even more props to him. He's doing it on the fly. Yeah, I didn't know he was a skateboarder. Yeah, look, he's wearing all this iFly gear. This is so sick. And wait for it. Oh! What? <laughs> what is going on? Right? I mean, even all the other guys are like, "Fuck!" I mean, I hope he wins against me, right? Like that was epic. Look how, look how chilly is too. It's insane. He's like, yeah, I just won. Now I got to go to Barnstorm for Chris and Skip's event. Step my game up. I totally did. I know. I now I know exactly who this is. Some of those pictures, he just looked really young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, just so insane, right? How cool. That guy's. Yeah, that's twelve sixty. So it's so cool to be in the likes of people like that, you know, and participating in, in events like that now. And there's a whole lot of other badasses out there too. I mean the the people that we fly with are amazing. I'm just and, I'm just so surprised. Like I thought he worked at the tunnel. Like because I just had seen him every now and again and I thought, oh he's just like an I fly like work he's might be an instructor, but I didn't know he was a professional skateboarder. I think he's sponsored by them and and you know, he's a professional skateboarder, so I think I think he's got plenty plenty of cake to uh, not have to work at the tunnel. Yeah, I think that's no, everyone's dream. Yeah. Like, hopefully, I can make enough money that I don't have to work in the sport. I think yeah. a lot of people want to work in the sport, then they would like to participate in the sport. Uh, but it's just cool to see the whole sport evolving. And you know, they've got the huge women's movement right now with uh, Project Nineteen and that whole thing being sponsored. That's a big deal, and that's exciting. And and um, so yeah, you're we're talking about that a little bit beforehand. Do you, what? So what was it that that? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Like that the whole Project Nineteen thing. Like what is it? So it, it's it's like the the was Sarah Sarah Curtis is that her name? Sarah Curtis. I think Amy Ch Chemilecki. I know Lisa Mazetta's involved. Angela's involved. So it's um, all Domi. just it's all just girls. Or yeah. Is so there I guys? think they're they're trying to set a women's world record for the largest vertical free, free fly formation just women okay and they've been doing a lot of camps and and it's so cool right like it's really encouraging i think a lot of women in skydiving it, skydiving one of the things that's so cool about skydiving is it it doesn't have to be a male dominated sport being physically strong is not an advantage mm -hmm. in in the air yeah. we're falling you don't need a lot of muscle to fall gravity's got you covered um but I think a lot of women feel like it's a it's a male-dominated sport. Certainly numerically, it's a male-dominated sport. And it's so cool to see the women kind of banding together and rising up. And, and maybe some people that wouldn't feel comfortable stepping up and doing bigger things now feel it's an environment where they can step up 
and they they can feel comfortable and when people feel comfortable they perform better yeah and then performing better they'll build this confidence and then now they can go back to their home drop zones and just be that better flyer that they really are yeah and break those mental plateaus so i'm really excited about it. i think it's a super cool mission i'm also i'm also a little bit concerned about it too because you know sometimes when you have a very specific initiative like that some people are pushing there's there's the the there's a balance. There's a, an art to the balance of skydiving, of pushing yourself and staying safe at the same time. Yeah. And that's a oh, fine yeah. line. And, yes. and you know, when you find yourself on the wrong side of it and you're like, fuck, I just got so lucky. And I can say that a lot of times as a load organizer, like, oh my God, like I thought they were okay to join us. They were not okay to be How many times has that right? crossed your mind as an organizer? Dude, uh, that's happened to me plenty of times. Plenty of times, right? <laughs> and so, so one of my fears, though, is in some of the early phase of the camp, there are people that did Chris and I's intro to Big Way Camp and other camps, and you know they should really be on six ways, and they're signing up for these 20 and 40-way like tryout camps and things. And I've been watching some of the videos and I've seen some terrifying shit. Oh. I've seen organizers of these events biffing out in the middle of a head down skydive and going to their bellies and getting ejected. And I'm like, holy shit, guys, we, we need as amazing as this event is, we need to be mindful that the end result of this campaign is not more important than one person's safety. And we can't abandon the rules that we've stayed true to, to being uh, disciplined in safety. You know, one of the things we talked about was a lot of ego in the sport. I think it's often mistaken that people are not being inclusive or they're having a big ego by not letting you come along. But when you don't know, you don't know the things that can go wrong and senior skydivers are, skydivers are telling you that to keep you safe from yourself or to keep themselves safe from you of pitfalls that you're not even aware of are scary pitfalls yet. Yeah, very true. And and some yeah. of these early camps, I've seen some wicked dangerous shit where if it wasn't this initiative, we normally would have cut those people a long time ago for their safety and the safety of the rest of the group. And I'm not trying to discourage anybody from it. I think it's an amazing initiative. The organizers are world-class, you know, better skydivers than I am. And I, I support them fully. But what I hope is as this continues to progress uh, through the different phases, they be they they centralize back on our kind of common ground of what's appropriate and what's safe because we've done some shit so far in watching these different camps that's way too loose. Yeah. Way too loose by our normal skydiving community standards. And we need to do a better job self-regulating and protecting people from pitfalls that they're not aware of yet. Yes. And so I'm hoping as these camps advance, as they're getting closer and closer to the record, that they start coming back down to the normal line that we hold ourselves accountable to. And we do it before anything bad happens. And I expect that they will. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I hope to see that. I expect that they will. I think it's going to be a fantastic event. I'm super supportive of all the women that are doing it. I think it's so cool that it's sponsored by a foundation and people can get out what there. Is it, what foundation is sponsored? I don't, I, don't I don't know what the name of it is. It's some women's foundation, but I, they're completely sponsoring the record. And so Dang, uh, that's pretty awesome. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, this is a passion project. And um, I'm rooting for everybody, and and I can't wait to see a big success. And I am absolutely sure that they're going to get a women's world record. And it, I think what what you said is, I mean, it's super important because it is like that. You know, like you don't you you want to hold that high standard, like because it's everyone's safety in there, and especially like in the small groups too. It's like, yeah, it's like sorry, like it's hard, but sorry, bro, like 
you, you can't do this jump with us. We're, we're doing our own thing. And, and it's not to exclude anybody. It's, it's for safety and, and it's not always perceived that way. Yeah. It's not only for safety, but too to like, we all kind of want to accomplish a, a thing. And now it's just like, Oh man, it gets kind of weird. Like, fuck, sorry, bro. Like, right. Yeah, I know. Uh, and you feel terrible. It's like, all right, dude, I'll, I'll, especially as an organizer. Yeah. Right. Like your job is to be inclusive but you have to balance that with safety mm-hmm. and the success of the jump. So everybody's actually developing their skills. And then, it, you know, you, you're like, all right, I got you on the next one. You know, like I, I don't want to exclude you. I got you on the next one. Yeah. Me and you will go do something that makes sense. Is Lauren going to participate in that thing? Project 19. Yeah. Like in the, in the record in the, in the, yeah, yeah, she definitely is. Um, the, the women that are leading the camp don't really know Lauren. And so she's not, I mean, Lauren's a badass skydiver. She did Barnstorm with us. She was the only girl on Barnstorm. Yes. And those skydives were phenomenally successful. She's done all of Andy's events. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in the SoCal scene, she's pretty well known and she's a phenomenal skydiver. She's a badass competitor. And we competed against each other before mm-hmm. at nationals in, I think, 2016. Uh, but the people in that event don't know Lauren. So she didn't get like an automatic invite, the, those organizers. So she's going out. And next month in March, it's Valentine's Day today. So a couple of weeks from now in March, uh, she's going out and doing either like a 40 or 60 way camp. And Eloy and I think Katie Hansen and Matt Fry also have another a 60 way event coming up here in April. In Is April. It, I think it's in April. And in I Paris? think they just said that I, I'm signed up for. I don't know. No, I'm not signed up for that. I'm signed up for the sequential world record with those guys in Chicago in June. And Lawrence, I think, is also considering participating in that that 60 way in SoCal here as well. So, yeah, she's practicing right now. She's gearing up for it. She'll be at the Barnstorm event. She'll be doing these things. And then um, assuming all goes well, and I expect, of course, it will because she's a badass. I think she'll be very helpful to the group uh, as one of the, the really solid flyers that they can they can count on. Um, so she'll she'll be there and yeah that'd be cool those girls are all gonna be a bunch of badasses and get the world record fuck yeah and bring that thing home and uh, i'm stoked for them i want to um so you got the i saw the first wave of invites went for that sequential world record um the world record event that matt fry and uh who who's what's her name uh shoot i forgot her name but the one that matt fry is putting together right katie hansen yeah katie hansen and matt Matt she's a badass um but no you got an invite right yeah, I, I actually didn't even know about the event. And then I don't know if people canceled out or whatever. Matt Fry just sent me a personal Facebook message a, a few weeks ago. And I was like, hey, do you want to do this? I was like, yep. Sent him 250 bucks and signed up. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I saw that that came out. And I'm like, man, I want to do that. What do I got to do with it? I, you know, I sent him a message. I kind of talked to him a little bit about it. But I, I hope I can get on to that because I, I would really like to do that. I kind of missed out uh, on the head up world record i could i couldn't do it just got a new job i couldn't take time off i wanted to do some of those camps because man i I really wanted to get that experience but i was so bummed i couldn't do it i was like oh man because where where when else are you going to be able to do a bunch of head up jumps you know straight up just head up designated head up jumps i mean um but that one is the the sequential world record is set up for june in chicago June, june in chicago that's dude. Did you see the picture that he posted up of the idea, like the, the, 
the oh that so I don't think he's trying to do that there. I think that's for some other event that he's trying to do. But, but like the picture, dude, that like, thing was what? like DNA. That was the, I was like, holy crap. Well, kind of like, um, it's kind of like, uh, that jump that we did with Andy where we were doing the double, the double dragon thing, like the double Brodeo. Yeah. Uh, where one side's doing a Brodeo and other side's doing it the opposing direction at the same time. And then they met in the center and built that bridge over top of the head up base. That was a fun. It's like that with a whole nother layer on top of it. I mean, it was such a, like, it's a scary looking <laughs> It looked gnarly. I was like, whoa. I can't wait to try. Yeah. I mean, it's a, yeah, that's it. That thing's nuts. But that's the direction that the sport's going. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I think, um, you know, and, and fucking awesome for Matt and Katie and those guys pushing the sport. You know, I really look up to those guys. And Oh, yeah, man. They're yeah. awesome. No, definitely. Um, man, what was I going to ask you? Um, so, shit, when you... So when you and Chris started putting these jumps together, like you, like, I mean, you said, you talked a little bit about the challenges of, you know, if it's even going to be possible, like, I mean, you have to, obviously you have to consider everybody that you, you invited and seeing, okay, who, how can we make this possible? But like, that took a long time to slot the jumps. Yeah. Who's, who's going to do what job? Who can we sacrifice to do this? You know, um, it's like a puzzle, dude. Like who's capable of doing this, (laughs) who, who, who is the best at doing this Mm -hmm. and who can we put where, you know, within their skill level to do it. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of thought that goes into it. You have to be very, very thoughtful putting these jumps together to, to ensure success. Yeah. Well, and you're not even ensuring success to ensure a good shot at it. I know. Like just it, like just the jumps that we did and the jumps that Andy puts together. I just think, man, like that's a lot of work putting this together and thinking it out and then working with everybody, you know, kind of guiding people to do this shit. It's like, God damn it, man, this is challenging. I can't, it can't like, you know, what goes on in the background that people don't see. Cause you know, people just show up, you know, people just show up and like, oh, all right, tell me where to go. Tell me what to do. Like, you know, where, yeah. what's my slot? <laughs> you know, there's so much that goes on in the background. That's crazy, man. So, um, and even just in between jumps, right? You go in between jumps and the organizers run into the video room and we watch the video and then we're reslotting things mm-hmm. and really trying to break down our performance like professional athletes would. Like what football player doesn't watch the tape of last week's playoff game 10 times before you play in the Super Bowl next week? Yeah. Right? And and that's that's what you got to do. I think it would be really cool. Um, I've thought about for one of these Barnstorm events, like publishing and doing a video of all the behind the scenes stuff, like the debriefs, like yeah. watching the video. Like, it's like, okay, cool. You watched our fun video of everything going right. Now let's watch like the journey of how we actually got there and the changes that we had to make and what our first attempt looked like. Cause a lot of these jumps, like surprisingly at Barnstorm, a lot of the stuff went well on the first try, mm-hmm. but most jumps that we do in these big ways, it's the second try or the third try that we finally nail it. And it's cool watching the progression in the journey and it, it, it humanizes it too, right? It's not just like, oh, all these superstars just go out there and bang this stuff out. Like, hell no, man, we're working for it. Every single one of us. And it's cool to watch that edited video afterwards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Especially if there's good music. I know. And the, yeah, definitely. Oh, you know what? This is what I wanted to ask you because you, you were saying that you went to that. It's kind of, it's a little off topic, but the the public speaking seminar not the seminar but the thing you spoke at the yeah door-to-door con it's the the largest uh door-to-door sales event in the world in salt lake city dude so what you told me like i was like that must have been pretty gnarly uh, getting top five out of you know 20 what was it 20 of the best public speakers like what kind of 
process did you have to go through? Did you have to actually, is it something that, like, how did that event work? Like, how does it work? Like, is it people just show up and then like, okay, we have a plan for these people to make a presentation or. Yeah. I mean, kind of think about like a giant Tony Robbins event, Mm -hmm. you know, where they're doing those crazy things where people are all riled up and they're going (laughs) home like, I'm going to change my whole life. You know, it's a lot like that in a lot of ways and people coming together from similar sales industries, whether it's solar roofing, satellite, pest control, um, you know, cable, internet, you name it. And they all get together and, you know, the sales, the living the life of a salesperson is its own interesting cult, just like skydiving is. And, you know, it's amazing to surround yourself with a community of people that are going through the same things you are, having the same successes you are, and, uh, you know, really bonding, breaking bread and sharing best practices. And it's this event where, you know, thousands of people come together all to work on self-improvement, personal development, motivation, mindset, uh, process, strategy, all of those different things. And so there's some major key speakers there. So some of the other speakers were Tim Grover, if you know who Tim Grover was, Mm -hmm. you know, so he was um, like the personal trainer for Michael Jordan during Michael Jordan's heydays. He trained uh, tons of other super famous people. I don't follow basketball closely, but he's one of the most famous basketball um, athletic trainers of all time. Another one of the speakers was Ed Milet. So a lot of people know who Ed Milet is, super motivational guy. He lives like right over in Laguna. And Tim uh, S. Grover? Yeah, that's the guy right okay. there. I just pulled up Google this. Yeah, Relentless is a really popular book that he did. And then um, Ed Milet is probably the most notable speaker there. And um, he's like completely that guy had me fucking fired up like when he spoke i was like ready i kept thinking about all the mma training that i'm doing and i'm like dude i am ready to run through a brick wall and just like tear somebody apart right now and i'm like a super nice guy yeah you know i don't want to fight with anybody but like that dude got me so pumped up i'm like let's go (laughs) and i probably would have gone out there and got my ass kicked so i'm glad i didn't do anything man i wanted uh, i'd like to try to go to uh so you what was the first guy that you said that the one of those events, Tim Robinson? Tim, Tim uh, well, Tony Robbins. Tony Robinson. Yeah, I've so, heard of so that. So Tony Robbins is like this super famous motivational speaker, life coach. Like he coaches people like Oprah and Tiger Woods and uh, Conor McGregor. Yeah. Uh, Conor McGregor just did a year of personal coaching with him. Like that's going to cost you probably like a million bucks or something like that to sign up with him. And um, so these are all the people that speak at the event and. And what they do is they have breakout sessions. So uh, they were the biggest group of participants there fell in the solar discipline and then a couple other disciplines. And so what they do is they have these few keynote speakers that everybody knows, everybody pays to go see. And then they would have breakout sessions where they'd be like, great, now let's go speak on solar. Let's go speak on roofing. Let's go speak on satellite. And they would have uh, industry-specific speakers go there. And I got to be one of the three speakers that spoke about the solar industry. And it was, a, right it, was a, it was an honor to speak in front of hundreds of people and um, you know, bring value to people's lives. It was super cool being on stage and, and explaining sales process and the emotional journey that you take a customer through and seeing people taking notes and nodding and, and adding value to people's lives. So, I mean, it was, uh, it was an incredible experience for me. And it, it was... Uh, I was honored to do it. That's crazy, man. That that sounds that that sounds rad. Like I can't imagine just talking to that many people, but then when you getting that positive feedback, 
like that you just described like it's just like whoa like i'm actually oh super cool making an impact on these people because they're taking notes and yeah i mean people were coming up after the speech and like asking me to like sign their notebook and and take pictures with them and if we can catch up on the phone later i'm like are you kidding me like this is crazy <laughs> you know like awesome, i, I can't believe i'm even here and, and i've had the, the people regard me in the way that, that they would listen to me you know because you know a lot of people that know me from the drop zone know me from my um my decompressing from work side, yeah. uh, which is, you know, a little bit maybe more, more exciting and taboo. <laughs> and um, they're like, wait a minute, you're, you know, <laughs> I know how some people wouldn't even think, but then you're like out there talking in front of hundreds of people. Yeah, let's get it. Yeah, done. <laughs> Man, I could like. Yeah, you. so that was really cool. That was a really cool experience. It's called Door to Door Con. It's run by a guy named Sam Taggart. He's a he's a personal development coach. Um, I I pay twenty grand a year to get personal um, development coaching from from Sam and his group. And I'm sure it's well worth it, man. It's, it pays off. I mean, that's life coaching. Like, dude, I need to invest in something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh fuck, man! I would need to invest in something like that. I'd like to go to one of these. I'm gonna look into something like this because as I need that because I've always struggled mentally. You know, with you know confidence or this or that or whatever. So throughout the years I've had these little exercises that I've done or have learned that now it's like, I need to step it up. I need to stop living in a small little bubble or whatever. I need to really keep, keep progressing it, you know? Um, so, oh man, what the heck? I keep freaking freezing up after talking about this. Oh, the MMA shit. Um, I gotta go out there one day. I want to, I want to roll with you. Let's do it. I want to go out. There I always wanted to roll with you and Guile because yeah. you guys always talked about jujitsu and I'm sitting here like I hadn't competed in wrestling in a while and I'm like, I'll roll with you motherfuckers. I know because <laughs> guys that come with the wrestling background are fucking tough. I can't, I mean, especially your heavy competitor, your competitive attitude, everything like I, I can already tell, like it's gonna not be fun, but it's gonna be fun. <laughs> you know what? It's one of those. Well, things. you're far more experienced in jujitsu than I am, and and it's and, and switching to jujitsu has been really fun because uh, because of wrestling, I've been able to be a pretty big pain in people's asses, but um, I haven't known how to finish them. I'm like, those are just moves that haven't been on my menu of moves that I've trained, so I yeah. just don't know to select them from my multiple choice option. Yeah. And now I'm starting to recognize them and now now I'm starting to get a little bit more dangerous. It's a lot more fun. That's cool. So are you do they do the belt promotions there? Like or are you strictly no gi? You said you're doing they do, gi. They do. I'm we're, I'm doing I'm I'm doing no gi and gi. Uh, no gi is more natural because I'm not used yeah. to wearing a gi in wrestling. We're wearing the same shorts and t shirts that we would normally wear in a wrestling practice. Uh, but as far as gi goes, um, you know, like I feel like people are choking me out in my shirt. They're choking me out in my underwear. I'm like, dude, dude, what is going on? It's frustrating, you know? right? And, you... and, and a little guy that knows what he's doing, like technique is always everything with any sport, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I'm just surprised how much of a weapon your clothing can be against you. Dude, yeah, I caught a black belt in a freaking, um, what do they call in a collar choke. Like it just, it does like sometimes it, it doesn't, yeah, technique is huge. You know what I mean? And then and with the gi, without the gi, I don't know, man, it's, the, the gi is frustrating, super frustrating. It's one of those things that I hate it, but I love it. And, and you have to do the gi progression to do the belt progression. Mm -hmm. So, did you get your blue belt yet? No, no, I'm I'm a white belt. You should. They should probably be throwing that blue belt at you pretty soon because with the wrestling experience, it's 
and especially with your your athletic experience and your your wrestling experience, like translating that to jujitsu, it's gonna be way faster than any other white belt than anybody yeah, that and, starts. And, and off, I haven't you know? been focused on a belt progression at all, you know. So for me, um, I'm I'm doing four or five different classes there. So they offer Muay Thai, kickboxing, regular boxing, um, no gi jujitsu, traditional gi jujitsu. And also a class there called Cage Tactics, where you're where you're learning how to fight up against the cage, because that's a whole nother thing that mm-hmm. you don't learn in boxing yeah. or, or Muay Thai how to fight against the the cage and and the short range knees and elbows and striking that goes on in there and all the dirty boxing and and the grappling, and so you know the gi jiu jitsu is like one fifth of the classes that oh, I yeah. take there, and I can only take I, I'm trying to do two classes a day. I'm trying to very early in the morning do the Muay Thai class. And then I go back for either, either cage j- tactics or gi or no gi jujitsu practice in the evenings. And so I'm only doing gi like maybe once or twice a week because I'm, I'm rotating all these different classes and trying to become very well-rounded like these, you know, the, the evolution of new mixed martial artists are. Mm-hmm. And so, man, you're really motivating me just talking about that too, too, because I've been thinking about like striking a lot the past couple of years. Like I've been wanting it and it's in the back of my head. I've been wanting to get coaching or start training, like do some striking training or some mix, you know, some MMA um, style training. But for some reason, it's just like I, I haven't passed that threshold where I just mentally okay, fuck it, I'm going to do it like I've done with anything else. Because I thought about jiu-jitsu for a long time before I even started doing it. Yeah. And then finally I'm like, fuck it, just go, sign up, or go try it, do it, and do this. And then now, you know, it's four or five years later, and then I'm happy. Are you a purple belt now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you and Guile are both purple belts. Yeah. Good for you guys. That's badass. Recently I haven't been training as much as I wanted to because I got some dude – torqued on my ankle he had me in some weird foot leg lock thing i was like in the banana splits move and i was fighting to to get my foot back and my my lco um shifted oh, and it popped so the lco gross. was yeah i know the, the lco was like it when he torqued it it literally popped it didn't break it didn't like snap but it made a popping sound because it shifted on the bone and it was real tight when it shifted so and yeah. then he immediately let go i immediately thought my knee was blown like because the pain and everything and the shock, I was like, oh, fuck, you just blew my knee out. God damn it. And then right away, my mind's like, dude, six months. You're going to be out six months, and it's going to be a year. Like, I'm just – all this stuff's going on in my head. I'm like, fuck. So I went sat down, and he was all apologizing, and a couple people heard the pop. So they're like, are you all right? Are you all right? I'm like, dude, just give me a second. Sat there for 10 minutes. and didn't swell up. But it – I mean, this was t- – two months ago and finally getting better is finally not hurting, you know? Yeah. Uh, dude, well, the crazy thing is, is I, I just started doing this training a few months ago and it's so I, like, it's so fun to be back and, and training in this type of combative sport, but I've gotten my fair share of injuries. I mean, I broke my rib, yeah, yeah. my second day in yeah, jujitsu, uh, somebody put a crazy body triangle on me and I refused to tap and it didn't hurt that bad at the time. Uh, I didn't realize, you know, I'm, I'm learning getting beat up in different ways where, what I can tolerate now is going to feel a shitload different tomorrow mm-hmm. or later tonight. And so I, I made some rookie wrestling mistakes where I'm like, Oh, I can tough through this. And then, um, you know, about 10 minutes later, I, I felt like this like burning in my side oh, and I'm like, no. what the hell is that? I'm like, Hey, hold on a second. Let me just see this. I'm like, all right, I, I think I'm good. I'm good. Let's go back. We'll, we'll keep oh, rolling again. No. And, um, cause I, I was wrestling with the guy that, that broke my rib or rolling with the guy that broke my rib. And then, 
I switch partners, start wrestling, or I keep saying wrestling, but I, I mean, jujitsu, we say we're rolling, right? Or grappling. Or, or grappling, whatever, yeah. right? So I'm rolling with this other guy and, and it's going good. And then I'm on top of him and in a position that I want to be in. I'm, I think I'm in side control. And so I'm like, sweet, I'm right where I want to be. And then I'm just using my knee to block his hips so he can't shift his hips at all. And all of a sudden, my, my side started burning. I'm like, what was that? Oh, no. And uh, so that put me out for about a month. And there's just nothing you can do for a rib. It was one of my lower left floating ribs and it was just awful. And I could feel like my, like your ribs are lined up like this. And I could just feel when I bent over, like they were going like, like it crossing, was crossing over, over another oh, rib. So I could no. feel the one rib poking the other and then it gets enough pressure and it goes clunk and oh. passes it. And it was just like, Oh, it's like nauseating feeling. And, oh, um, you know, I just broke my finger like, uh, on Wednesday, this one, <laughs> this one went sideways. So like, <laughs> I, I got that taped together. Oh no. And that was rolling with Sam Alvey, who's training for, um, UFC, like two forty something right now. So he'll be fighting in the UFC against Khalil Roundtree oh, shit. Uh, coming up here in, um, uh, in March. So that's pretty cool. Like, it's just so cool being at an MMA gym and I'm rolling with these guys that You're are actual so professional there, UFC dude. fighters. They're so good. And, and to anybody, any listeners out there that, that have never tried any type of MMA and have been any kind of bi-curious about it in any way whatsoever, um, it's not this tough guy mentality thing. I mean, real. it's the people that can't fight that puff their chest out and have something to prove. It's the people that really yep. can. You go to these gyms. And it's nothing but respect, camaraderie, like farts and jokes and, and rolling around and having a great time. No tough guy mentality. There's zero intimidation. And everybody's so, it, it, honestly, it's just like the skydiving community. It's so welcoming, so inclusive. All of the coaches are to be looked at like um, like load organizers. Mm -hmm. And they're so nice. And it's crazy because I'll be, I'll be in these classes and there's one or two like professional UFC fighters in the class a few amateurs, a few guys like me that are like, ah, we're a bunch of has-beens coming back 15 years later, just trying to get in shape. And that's me. I don't have any, <laughs> I don't, I don't really have any interest, any interest in having somebody my size, uh, punch me in the face. Like I'm 34. I own a business. If I get punched in the face really hard, I might forget to do payroll at work this week. Yeah. Right? Like I don't need that. Um, I'm but, the same way, dude. I, I'm not doing, I don't I haven't been doing this to, to be like, Oh, I'm gonna go fight someone. But once you start, this martial art, whatever you're doing, it's like, you just want to get better. You just want to keep doing well, it. <laughs> you, you get competitive. And so mm -hmm. everybody's so welcoming. So it's encouraging to mm -hmm. do that. And, and I'm sitting there and I keep telling all these guys, like I'm doing very well in, in the grappling area for, for somebody of my experience in jujitsu because of the wrestling background. And a lot of the guys have been egging me on like, come on, man, why don't, why don't you compete? Why do you, why don't you compete? And I'm like, dude, I just want to, <laughs> I just want to get in shape and, and go home and like be able to walk and, and stuff like that. But Dude, I've got my fair share of injuries already. I think you would, I've never grappled with you. I don't, I, I don't know like any of that, but just from what you're telling me, I think you'd be great competitor for, especially you know, a jujitsu competitor or whatever. Cause with your experience and your love and your dedication, what you do, you know, to get ready for these things like yeah and i've gotten obsessed with it recently like every poop i'm looking up youtube videos of uh you know just different fights and and just different techniques i'm watching all these different jujitsu videos that's where i learned the americana and uh the dark choke and those other things just taking dumps and watching youtube 
and uh, it's been really fun. And I, I, I just love to compete, and I've, I've gotten obsessed with this recently. I started training for, in the morning, and I've should, started training in the evening. You should do. You should do like just the uh, like not a just whatever competition that pop, like Naga. Naga's not they're, they're down in San Diego, right? Mm-hmm. The pre-registration ends like this week or something. Good. I think. I'm, and, I'm and make, it's cheaper. You should go. I'm gonna go down there, and I'm gonna watch all the guys at work do it. I, or not guys at work, uh, guys from the gym do it. I did. I uh, did Naga two years ago. I did. It was about two years ago. I did Naga, and it was fun, man. It was a lot of fun. That's awesome. That was my first uh, Nogi competition, and I was like, wow, like I hadn't competed since a white when I was a white belt, and I was like, it reminded me. I'm like, dude, competing is so different. It's a whole different world. Like it's oh yeah, you I can imagine. just feel the seriousness in the air. You know, because at the gym, it's not serious. Like, oh, like, people are training seriously and hard, but it's so low key. You know, I'll go in and it'll be a couple pro fighters, a couple am- uh, amateur fighters, a couple has beens like me. And then there'll be like a 55 year old woman and her 12 year old son. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's so fun. And that's why going back to my point earlier, just everybody should go and try it. It's the most amazing way to work out. It's, it's so, you know, I know I mentioned a lot of bodies, but you don't have to go hard the way that I've been going. Like the plenty, people are plenty happy to go easy. If your goal is to go easy and And you can find the right partners and just get in great shape, have a lot of fun, make a lot of friends and, and get some very useful exercise skills. And that's definitely the thing about training too. It's like, yeah, like you can, you can pick and choose almost like, okay, you can get involved in this and, but you don't have to get involved in exactly what you said and, and get that involved where you get hurt, you know, or right, right. go 110% because you learn real quick what your boundaries are. Like, cause then you'd be like, Oh, I got tapped out or oh, like, um, this is beyond my capabilities. Maybe I should just flow with these people. And like, you have all those options, which, which are cool. So next time or sometime we need to, I want to fly with you in the tunnel. Let's do it. So, sometime. We've been talking about I, it forever, <laughs> but you're, you're, our work schedules and, and I'm I'm just not that active. Anymore. In my poor planning, <laughs> my fucking horrible planning. That's Damien. Yeah, I know. Fuck, I need to get. I want to get him back over here. But like, I was like, again, I always feel like it's. I hate taking people's time. I feel bad. And then I was I honored. I'm like, I couldn't believe people showed up for Barnstorm. You know, I'm like, people really trust me to organize this. I'm not a notable organizer. I'm a local organizer. You know. Yeah. And it's like this dude wants me on his podcast. Like they've had important people on here. Like that guy that drank his own pee. I'm like, am I on that level? I don't know. I don't know if I belong. I drank my own pee that day too. Did you? Yes, I did. And it, you know what it tasted like? Piss piss with the hint of brown rice because that whole week meal prepped yeah <laughs> just brown rice and chicken brown rice and chicken so like oh man it's not it wasn't a good taste but thanks bro for coming out here and taking the time to do this um i hope that we can do it again in the future and uh yeah we can i'll i'll probably keep throwing out that tunnel thing every now and again so next time you travel down here for something i'll be like skip i'll buy 15 minutes just come fly with me <laughs> <laughs> no i'll split it with you and- and uh, I think I think after this season we'll have a lot to talk about, right? You know, we've got the next Barnstorm event coming up. Andy's got another event coming up in April. You've got the Sequential World Record that we're both interested in mm-hmm. coming up in June. We've got nationals after that. I'm not competing this year. I don't know if you are. We're playing. You know on. what? I kind of was kicking around the idea of talking to Steven a little bit. Do it. And I am, man. I would love to sign sign up but again i would feel bad because that would be like 
feel like I'm dragging him down, but it'd be awesome to do like, um, oh, do I feel like MFS. I drug Layla down for two <laughs> years. It wasn't until like our second or third year training together where I'm like, all right, I'm on level now. How many jumps did you guys think you got in to prepare for the comp? <laughs> As a team, we didn't do that much. I think we did more tunnel time than we did skydives. I think, and, and, and remember we only competed in advance. So mm-hmm. like, uh, we did a boatload of jumps together, uh, but they weren't all four way. The the hardest thing about a four way team is getting four fucking free flyers to yes, show up, right? Yes. But um, I, I think we probably did like fifty training jumps in twenty fifteen. Maybe maybe something similar between fifty and a hundred in twenty sixteen when, when we were lucky enough to to come back with the gold medal in the the advanced division, and. Um, in 2017, we didn't practice at all. That was pretty funny. And then we went open that year. <laughs> we were like, oh, Jesus. And it was Brent, Lalo, and I. And none of us wanted to fly camera. So we all took turns flying camera and flying inside. <laughs> and we had the best time. And we did not come in last place. That's, awesome. That's all I'm going to say about that. And so I'm stoked that we showed up in the open division, didn't come in last place, didn't practice at all. And I blew one of the jumps entirely because I'm, I'm, I know I, both of those guys work in the sport. I don't work in the sport. I just organize. So I never did a whole bunch of camera flying. And so they bust out a pretty awesome jump. I want to say it was like a 14 point jump on the first jump. And for us, like that would have been epically good for the no training, like zero training we did together. And I, I was so pumped because I was like, dude, I, I nailed my camera slot. I got down on the ground. I'm like, dudes, I fucking killed it. I busted seven of the points <laughs> oh, no. out of frame or shaky video. <laughs> we had this wacky double camera mount that was not working, uh, but I was, I totally, I, I was so braggadocious when I got down, like, dude, I fucking nailed it. I was really self-conscious about that. And I nailed it. And then we watched the video. It was like bust, 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 like, bust no. all during the live judging. I, they were, it was, it was, you would think that your, your teammates would be mad at you for doing that. But because we're all such close friends and because I had been bragging so hard about how good I did and then we saw the truth, it was they like totally went past anger and just went straight to hilarious laughter. Yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, well, we didn't train. We know Skip doesn't know how to fly camera and, uh, you know, whatever. This is just this is just for fun. Yeah. And it was awesome. But I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. Right. Oh, after after a few months and the the project 19 is going to go through. So we'll see how that thing turns out. It'll be interesting to kind of hear how today's comments line up and and hopefully, um, you know, they knock it out of the park. I'm pumped for them. Yeah, that'd be cool. And I'm excited to see how that turns out. I really want to see a big that'd be cool to see them nail a big record for sure. Well, cool, man. Thanks again. And oh, do you have uh, anything you want to throw out there? Um, Instagram, Facebook or anybody to reach out for your solar company? Any like what would you look anyone looking for? I mean, are you looking for any positions in particular? Just anything that you want to throw out there? I mean, right now is your time. Yeah, so Instagram, I've posted four pictures uh, total. <laughs> I'm pretty pumped though. I've got 500 followers, and, yeah. and I've I've posted four pictures. So like, uh, thank you guys for <laughs> for following nothing. So no, no, no Insta plug. Uh, certainly not a, a Facebook or Insta celebrity. And and um, you know, hey, anybody that uh, that lives in California that uh, has had any uh, curiosity towards solar, just hit me up on Facebook. You guys all know where to find me, and I'll give you guys an employee discount for the uh, the Sky family here. So I'm pretty sure all the listeners here are going to be skydivers. So we'll uh, we'll get those guys taken care of and hooked up.
cool man all right well thanks for doing this and uh this is us signing out right on thanks for having me all right